Sunday the 3rd of September 2017. It's Sunday and this is the morning we will all go to church. We're so blessed to have a lovely ancient church where we worship and an amazing local community. During the Victorian times, a benefactor bequeathed land and property to the local people in perpetuum, providing that there was never a pub or inn built in the village. He provided a village school, cricket pitch, football pitch, lovely well-used village hall, and while he was still alive, he provided workshops for the poor children to learn a trade. He provided opportunities for the boys to learn building, carpentry, gardening skills, etc. And the girls to learn sewing, ironing and housekeeping skills to enable them to get good jobs in service. When the local girls got married, he provided them with a bottom drawer or trousseau. There was also an annual purse for the poorest family. The workshops are no longer there because with the advent of technical colleges they are no longer needed. But the rest of life is here and it's reassuringly similar. (coughs) This man was a good man and set up a trust to be in force after his death. This trust is still current and is managed very efficiently and chaired by the rector and his committee. All of this enables us to enjoy life a little like it was a hundred years ago or more. We still have wonderful fates and harvest suppers and many different activities at the village hall. In the summer we have weekly cricket matches with wonderfully delicious teas made by the local ladies. Football is always going on in the winter and there is a quintessentially English home farm nestled in the valley. It is very sad that this sort of village life is gradually disappearing. I wonder, my dearest great-great-grandchildren, whether there are any villages left at all in your time. I wonder whether you still practice traditional activities such as Morris dancing on the village green, maple dancing, Easter egg hunting and carol singing at Christmas. All of these things mean so much to me. They're the very essence of our lives. After church, we have friends back for coffee and discuss our lives with all its ups and downs, its merry-go-rounds, and after they have gone, it's time to prepare lunch. We always have a delicious nut roast with roast potatoes and vegetables from the garden. This is a lovely family occasion when we're all together around our large table and Aunt Rachel comes too. I haven't mentioned Auntie Rachel before, and she isn't really an auntie, but that is what we call her. She is dearly loved and has no one else but us. In fact, she comes most days for lunch, and we look after her, as she has no other family. She always comes swimming with us on Sunday afternoons. She herself doesn't swim anymore, but she likes to watch the children swim. Monday the 4th of September 2017 This morning I opened my eyes to a very grey world, chipping down with rain and not properly light yet. The days are getting shorter and I am always aware of our vulnerability as our planet Earth gradually starts to move further away from the sun on its yearly orbit. The days get shorter and the garden starts to die back for the winter. When the children were very small, We would go to the woods in the autumn. They would be full of questions about why the trees lose all all of their leaves in the autumn. I would explain to them that I thought what I thought might be the answer. 
is that God in his great wisdom designed the world this way, so the trees would rest for a while in order to bring a new cycle of life. And anyway, the small creatures and mini-beasts would need the blanket of leaves in the winter to keep them warm. And how, because the leaves have lots of air trapped between them, it is a wonderful insulation from the cold. It is great fun to make a huge pile of leaves on a cold day and take turns to crawl inside, feel how warm it can be. An activity like this always ends up in a leaf fight, even more fun. When spring comes around again, the leaves have rotted down, providing food for the mini-beast, as well as nutrition for the tree. Nature lessons in situ are so much more valuable to the children than in the classroom. The sights and smells, the things they touch, these memories will last for a lifetime. Education is beginning to change and people like David and I are beginning to take some responsibility for their children's education. There are a few schools started by groups of concerned parents and forest schools where children work and play in the open air in woodland areas. I often wonder how you, my great-great-grandchildren, have been educated. I do hope that is not by a computer in the solitary confinement of your bedroom with video links to teachers and fellow pupils. Even an overcrowded classroom would be better than that. However, let's be positive. Let's believe that you are the generation restored and renewed and that you and your children have the opportunity of having a positive school life and that learning is a positive, welcome, lively, interactive experience learned in the University of Life. There are already signs in social behaviour that do not bode well for the future. It is becoming common to see a young person with a mobile phone in their hands, and very common to see people of all ages walking along a road operating their phones. Mobile phones are not just phones anymore, they connect with the internet, they are games consoles, meeting places for friends, battlefields for cruel taunts and trolls. People no longer appear to need to meet up and give each other a hug and settle down to a companionable chat over a cup of tea. They do not seem to need to walk together and enjoy the countryside. In fact, people don't appear to even know where they are anymore. They seem to be in robot control sleepwalking to the edge. There have even been cases of people crossing the road so involved with their mobile phone that they are unaware of oncoming tra traffic and vehicles until it has hit them. It is almost a virtual reality world. Some years ago, back in the 70s, when people first started to become concerned about the world and the way it was going, and in general, human behaviour and the effect that it was having on the environment. I started to become a concern and the very it started to become a concern and the very continuing existence of the world as we know it began to look uncertain. There was the same bandying about stop the world I want to get off. This at least showed a concern for the signs that all was not well. Instead people now seem to have buried their heads in their technology and chosen a world of virtual reality, a world that is not real, a world without a natural momentum, a world without sight, sound and smells, a world where it is difficult to really know what somebody means, because when a communication is text, it is a difficult to judge the move of the sender. 
There is no voice and no intonation, no clues in the voice as to whether a joke is being made or a serious comment, and yet whole relationships are built and broken using this media. I remember a friend of mine a few years ago being told by their tutor during a tutorial at college. She told her students that our whole courtship, marriage and finally divorce had been conducted mainly by texting. What is a mobile phone? Here are some interesting statistics for you. 90% of households in this country in 2016 had access to internet as compared to 22% in the year 2000. 73% use the internet on the go. 77% of people purchase online. I purchased it online is now a very common answer to where did you buy it? We've gone very quickly from the demise of the small family-run corner shop, which was usually the hub of the community and a great place for social interaction, especially valuable for the old and lonely, to a society where we are heading towards buying our day-to-day needs online, meeting no one and interacting with no one. Things may be different in your times. I hope so. There are already small signs of change. We have farmers markets starting up where we can buy produce grown locally and meet up with local people. There are also small cooperatives set up by groups of people who have become disenchanted with big chains of supermarkets and they want to return to the intimacy of the small family-run shop. These are usually run by groups of volunteers and can be a little bit more expensive than supermarkets, but we should support them because it is worth the extra money to try to break the stranglehold that the big chains have on the struggling farmer, who in order to sell his merchandise makes very little profit on his hard-earned produce. It really is time for us to revalue our lives, to stop seeking cheaper and cheaper food, which is often inferior and bought in a shop that has ruthless marketing policies, enticing us to buy other products we really do not need and didn't set out to buy. We should be looking for a better and fairer standard of living for everyone, even if it does cost a little more in the long run. I have found that providing one one sticks to your shopping list and do not get tempted into buying unwanted goods It is still fine to occasionally use the supermarkets, especially if they sell something you need that you cannot buy elsewhere. However, when avoiding big supermarkets in favour of smaller local shops, you avoid the trap of two-for-one offers, products you were not shopping for in the first place. You also, by seeking out the smaller venues, making it possible for small businesses to survive and provide an an opportunity for employment for others. I wonder how it will work for you and your families. Live simply that others may simply live, Mahatma Gandhi said.